this announcement falls into that category. So go ahead without further well, ado. And, but you pointed out something very interesting about both of us. We, as opposed to other people that like create content in the RV space, we know we're not awesome. No. <laughs> we, we, are, we are past that point. We are both uh, well yeah. aware of how normal we are. So normal. How so painfully normal. normal our family is. We oh. are not awesome, but we have an awesome announcement. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? And Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. This season, we are back with a brand new RV and brand new adventures. Join us now as we cover the best campgrounds, the best rigs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's very special episode of the RV Atlas. Today is a special episode because we have two big announcements, one really, really big announcement, um, and then a second big announcement, and also a special episode because we've got Stephanie back on the show. Stephanie is out in the RV right now. How are you doing, Stephanie? I'm doing great. Um, I would hope that it was listed as special first because I'm on the show. Second, because there's those other big announcements, but that's okay. I'll I'll roll with I'll roll with the order of operations there. <laughs> you you are absolutely correct. So we'll do those two big announcements, and and we'll do some content around budget camping and some tips for budget camping because that ties into the announcement. But first, I was also hoping that Stephanie would humor me, and I wanted to kind of catch everybody up a little bit on my Go RVing show. Six things I love about my RV. And what I wanted to talk about there briefly is just like the features that everyone's picking. Because in every episode, we ask people like pick eight or 10 features you love. And then we like narrow it down to six. And I'm just a little surprised at um, some of the, the features that people want to talk about this season. Um, so I wanted to share that with all of you. So we'll do those three things, those three segments. Um, but before we do that, we will have sponsored messages from our friends at Yogi Bears, Jellystone Park Camp Resorts and our friends at Blackstone. And we will be back in a second uh, with Jeremy and Stephanie talking through those topics. Our family has been staying at Jellystone Park locations for 12 years. There are more than 75 Jellystone Park locations across the United States and Canada, and each one is unique. But our kids love them all because each Jellystone Park location has fun attractions like pools, water slides, Splash grounds, mini golf, laser tag, and jumping pillows. Plus, there are tons of activities all day and all night long, such as foam parties, dance parties, wagon rides, tie-dye, and movie nights. They even have themed weekends like Chocolate Lovers Weekend, Christmas in July, and Halloween weekends in the fall. Of course, we can't forget the fun of hanging out with Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, and Cindy Bear. And at Jellystone Park, you can stay in your RV or enjoy one of their awesome glamping accommodations as many of their locations offer luxury cabins, yurts, covered wagons, and more. Make Jellystone Park a part of your family's vacation in 2023 because it's not just a campground, it's a Jellystone Park. To learn more and to book your vacation today, visit jellystonepark.com. That's jellystonepark.com. And please, don't forget to tell Yogi Bear that Jeremy and Stephanie said hello. 
The sound of bacon or burgers and steak sizzling is the sound that you crave this summer. Blackstone is the original flat-top griddle with more than 9 million griddles sold. Blackstone is the way that America cooks in the great outdoors. You can cook everything you can on a traditional grill and a thousand things you can't. Want an incredible breakfast? How about lunch or dinner? The solid steel flat top infuses the flavors. Pick the size and style that's right for your next camping trip. The 17-inch and 22-inch griddles are easy to store in your RV and still have the space to feed the hungriest army. There's even a portable Blackstone with an air fryer built in. Talk about variety. With Blackstone, you can cook anything, anytime, anywhere. They even make a portable pizza oven that you can bring camping. For outdoor cooking fun and flavor that you can't find anywhere else, go wherever griddles are sold or head on over to blackstoneproducts.com. And remember, if it's not a Blackstone, it's not a griddle. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Stephanie and Jeremy talking through my brand new Go RVing show, Six Things I Love About My RV, Season 2. Um, and Stephanie, um, thank you so much for holding down the fort as I occasionally like totally disappear from the house for a day or two with Sean, the camera um, guy. It's very much well, it's for a worthy cause. It's for a worthy cause. So as you're out there, uh, filming your videos, you are also apparently doing market research for the RV industry and finding out what every single person seems to be circling back to when they're talking about what they love about their RV. So this is basically like a service to the industry, this section of the show. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of funny you say it that way, because I was thinking that way, because I know there are like product designers and people in the industry that listen to the show. And I actually think that this will surprise them as it surprised me. Um, a lot of people are picking the same features that they want to talk about that they love about their RVs. And initially, like Sean and I were like, well, we don't want every episode for people to be talking about the same four or five things. Um, but but then we've both kind of been like, well, if that's what somebody really loves and they really want to talk about it, we don't want to manipulate it too much. Yeah, you can't give <laughs> one person a, 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 a trait of the RV, right? Like, oh, no, 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 that was already covered. It can't be your favorite thing. Like their favorite things are their favorite things. And if there's, you know, different patterns to that, that's almost more helpful for people that are watching that are thinking about buying an RV because they're like, oh, my gosh, everybody loves the and I don't want to give away any of your list. So well, I'm not going to insert did, a word did, there. You you've got the kind of list in front of you. Did it surprise yeah. you? Is, is this what you would have thought when I said what what key features do you think people love about their RVs in 2023? I mean, did the list surprise you? Um, It doesn't surprise me. I think. No, I don't think it surprises me. I think that. um. It doesn't surprise me because I know that people end up caring about things that they didn't shop for, right? Like we've talked All about right. that for years. So it didn't surprise me because I think, I feel like I know this, but I think that it's still surprising to the people that shop a lot of first time that a lot of the things that they think they're going to care about or use all the time or really love are not the things that end up being important for them, right? We know this. The, I, and I do think that the industry has a lot of that research, but they still have to sell the things that they know people are looking for. It's really a catch-22, catch-22. You, you, <laughs> you just put, uh, all credit to Joseph Heller there, yes, catch-22. You just put your finger on something massive in the RV industry. And I think that that was like ridiculously insightful. People shop for things that they end up not caring about 
And so RV manufacturers and product designers pack RVs with a lot of those features that are like really appealing to Mm -hmm. like people that are shopping for the first time, but then they actually don't necessarily end up caring about them. Um, And what people end up caring about are very basic, straightforward, simple things Mm -hmm. that that work well and provide comfort or whatever it might be. And what, what we're, this is what we're discovering in this show. People do not end up loving all the gadgetry, all the tech, whether that's auto leveling or Wi-Fi boosters or flat screen TVs or whatever. Nobody's like, oh, I really want to talk about those things. And these are RV owners that have those things. They want to talk about their slide outs. Everyone loves their slide outs, right? So are we in the list now? Are we entering yeah, well, the here, list? Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's so enter let's the go. List yeah. of, so go ahead. Let's enter let's the talk list, of, the list. Like, uh, of, of some of the things that people love. So everybody wants to talk about their slide outs because like, I don't know, like, why do you think that that is something that matters so much to modern RV owners? Well, do you mean that everybody wants to talk about the size of them or, you know, like, so yes. So here's the thing about slide outs. It, we've learned this over the years. It can make or break your RV experience because your slide outs are what can lead to a very reasonably sized RV that you can maybe easily tow or easily drive being then a much larger, more spacious RV once you're parked and set up. So, you know, we knew this, like we had an RV that we absolutely loved as our very first travel trailer. And it was a lightweight. And it specifically had a very small, like narrow slide, right? It, did, it wasn't deep. So when it was opened up, it didn't expand the space in the middle of the RV that much. And because of that, once we had our third child, we felt very cramped in it. Now, if that slide had been more like the slide that I'm sitting in right now in our grand design, we probably would have kept that RV for much longer because we loved the bunkhouse. We loved, like, there were so many things we loved about that RV. And in fact, we almost like wish we could go back to it sometime. We just, it was a great RV, but the slide out was too narrow. So it didn't create what this one does, which is just like, we had so many people in this RV at one time when we were in Myrtle Beach with friends and it was not cramped in the main living section because of the massive slide. Yeah, it's a Grand Design Imagine 2800BH. It's only 32 feet long on the nose, but it feels really big inside. Mm -hmm. So we love our slide out. And by the way, a lot of the things people are mentioning that they love are also things that that we love about our RV. So people want to talk slides. People also love their awnings. (laughs) This is not advanced technology on RVs. (laughs) Like the number of people that just love their RV awning and love sitting under their awning uh, it is pretty astonishing, right? And I guess that's hard. Every almost no. every, every RV has an awning s- now. Sure, but it but not every RV use a lot of RVs were still selling with the crank awning even a couple years ago. If it was a lower, you know, entry level RV, it would still have that crank. Let me tell you something. We had one of those, and it was a massive pain to open. And then you didn't open. Well, we it. changed it. Yeah. And we changed that because I thought, oh, let's, you know, I kind of went on this kick. The less to break, the better, because we were so we had so many of the gadgets. You mentioned the gadgets. I hate all the breaking, the nonsense, the what you have to deal with if the battery's dead, whatever. I love manual stuff. So I was like, you know what? Go with the manual awning. It's fine. Don't upgrade. And then you never set it up. And that drove me crazy. Whereas the 
automatic. You can go in, out, in, out, in, out, right? Like all the time. So it makes sense that people appreciate that. Again, it's related to space. It expands the amount of space you have when you put out that awning and you feel like you can sit comfortably under it in a chair, keep your coolers under there, et cetera. It just gives people that spacious living feel. You keep pointing out space and you're right. Yeah. So many of these things have to do with like space and comfort. Well, but not getting so big that then you feel Mm -hmm. like your RV is unmanageable, right? So that's the problem. People Mm -hmm. want an RV on their campsite that's different than the RV they want to tow or drive. (laughs) So it's all about trying to figure that out. (laughs) It's an endless puzzle, but the, the awning creates outdoor space. It creates another room, kind of. I think a lot of RVers look at like, the room under their awning as another room in their RV. And it, it, in that sense, because RVs are small and have limited square footage, you're almost like doubling your space, your usable space. So look, people love their awnings. Um, and again, I just come back to like for product designers in the RV industry, these are not the bells and whistles, right? These are the basics. Um, the next thing that pe- a lot of people want to talk about, their windows, uh, the amount of light they're getting from their windows, the positioning of their windows and it's again it's so basic like it surprises me a little like why do you think people are so in love with their rv windows or care so much about them so that's i mean my answer is going to be the same that's space what do i mean by windows creating space it means it feels open and airy right when you don't have windows, the space feels very closed in and dark in an RV. So what happens is you're in this beautiful location, right? You pulled up. You're like, oh, my gosh, look at the waterfront site that I got. Look at the whatever. And then you walk into your RV and you can't see any of that beautiful view from inside your RV because you don't have windows. You don't have big windows. You don't have the right positioned windows. So anytime you've had an RV, and I mean this, look, the, you could think about our toy hauler like this. The toy hauler, because of the back door you know, we had a few years ago, um, that wasn't a window. That was a door, <laughs> but it had a screen that came down and we leave it open. That was magical. Like everybody in our family still pines for the toy hauler. We didn't like the size of it. But again, this goes back to our slide. It didn't have slide outs. It was just really wide. So we hated towing it. The actual experience of being in that RV with all of those windows all around and that door back down, it was amazing. Loved it. Now, for first-time shoppers or people that are listening that maybe haven't bought an RV yet, people don't just love their windows. I did say positioning of windows. You're sitting in our grand design right now. We have nice big windows on the rear of the RV, on the hookup side of the RV what my friend Ellen calls the business side of the RV. Yeah. We do not have good windows on the campsite side, the door yeah. side of our RV, which is actually something I don't like about our RV. And it's the second one in a row we've owned like that. But people like to have windows looking out on their campsite. Yeah, but this is an engineering to- problem, okay, mm-hmm. people? Because here's the thing, all right? This is what people don't get when they look at this stuff. There's a reason why our other RV that I talked about before with this shallow slide That slide was on the door side, right? The campsite side. And it was great. Nice windows. But the slide went out. You can't have everything. The slide went out. So it would be under your awning, right? So it takes up space under your awning because the windows are there. You don't want a kitchen on your slide. It's bad engineering. 
right? So a lot because of the weight, because of the movement in and out, because of all the problems that it can create. So a lot of the engineers, when they're doing these RVs, they're like, okay, well, I can't do everything, right? So if I'm going to put the kitchen off the slide, right, it, 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 you, you like move things around and your kitchen isn't going to have your big windows. Your and kitchen's people... going to have your small windows. Your, sli- you know, your big, your, your slide is going to have your big windows. Why? It's light stuff. It's just your seating. It's just your dining room table. So your slide has all that seating area. It's light stuff. There's no, um, you know, plugs and wires and everything. They can just put it there. In a way. But then they're like, but we don't want to put this big, massive slide on the door side because people don't like that because it's going to go out under their awning. So, you know, it's like all it's like a game. It's like a whack-a-mole game a lot of the time with the, these things that people look for. And I just I do think that a lot of first time buyers walk into an RV and they see big windows on the rear and go, oh, there's great light in here. There's great windows. Yeah. But then once you get the RV out, you're like, oh, wait, I can't actually see my campsite the way my RV is designed. So we've had some people that have the windows on the campsite side and they truly love them. So the next thing and and this is all leading up to the main thing everyone wants to talk about. The next thing is people love their kitchens and what they often want to talk about or what they want to pick more specifically is counter space. Everybody wants to talk about their counter space. And for me, I don't think you should even build an RV if there is not counter space for a coffee machine. Like just, just scrap that floor plan, please. It's so awful. RVers love their counter space and counter space. I'm going to say something crazy here. If you're building an RV that doesn't have any real counter space, get rid of the refrigerator. People would rather have counter space than a refrigerator. I, you're no, no, think no. I'm crazy. you don't even have to get rid of the refrigerator. Get put it down, half right fridge. in the yeah. Do the half fridge at the bottom, but you can even do that almost like three quarters length or whatever, and do a platform over it. Some of the hybrids do that really well, right? Because they have to deal with like collapsing spaces and stuff. And I've noticed that some of the hybrid designs. They do really nice, like even it can, it can be a high countertop with a plug, right? Like it's okay if your coffee maker's a little bit higher than your regular or that you can put your Instapot or your, um, you know, slow cooker like on a higher. That's okay. But just give me a platform. Give me a space. This is something that I think so many people do not think of when they're RV shopping for the first time. It's just like they don't think of um, drawers, you know, and then they're like, wait, where am I going to put my... <laughs> silverware or where am I going to? So this is something that people get into a pickle about and they learn quickly. It's important. There is nothing more aggravating to me than when I don't have counter space for the, for a, for an Instapot that I want to make a meal in. And I don't want to put the cover over the sink to use that for counter space. I'm not moving that cover in and out on top of the sink, off the sink, I don't think that makes sense either. Well, that can be an additional, right? Like I have that. I always love a cutting board over the stove, but that's not what I want is my only counter space. Like that's like additional prep if I'm not using the stove because we don't use the stove a lot in the RV. All right, let's lead up to the single thing that almost every single person wants to choose for one of the six things they love about my their RVs, which is a show on Go RVing's YouTube channel and their Facebook page, okay? Now, I, on this second season, we had somebody with a Thor motor coach, somebody with a Rockwood Mini Light, somebody with a New Camp Tab, somebody with a Riverside Retro, somebody with a Berkshire, Berkshire Diesel Pusher, somebody with a Jayco J Feather, 
And I did my Grand Design Imagine. I believe every single person wanted to talk about how much they loved their RV's storage. And when I say that people love their storage, they do not simply love the fact that there is big open space to shove stuff. They want to talk specifically about how the storage fits their needs and allows them to store things where they should go mm-hmm. in places where they are easy to get to. Easily Thoughtful, accessible, intentional yes. storage. Um, does that shock you that one of the, pri- the, the I'm going to say it, the primary thing over two seasons of six things I love about my RV, the primary thing these RV owners love is their thoughtful storage in their RVs. Again, I think you're talking about people that have been through the ringer with bad storage, right? And then they appreciate it so much because if you look at people with those, the classic big, huge cabinets on the side of um, beds in RVs, it's a really common thing. The question is always, how do I modify this to actually be useful to me? Because when you're shopping for an RV, you're like, (laughs) I see it all the time on my RV shows and I, you know, like watch people. They open those enormous cavernous cabinets and they're like, look at all this storage. And you're like, haha, guess what? You're going to have to figure out how to do anything except just pile crap in there. And then there's going to be so much height that's not used. Or if you use it all up, you can't find anything in there. So then people end up like pulling their hair out, trying to modify it with wire shelves and things like that, which I've done over the years with many a large cabinet. So a couple of things to address this is the RV manufacturers that have moved to including more drawers are very smart. They, you should know this if you design homes because drawers are better storage, right? And a lot of kitchens have moved to more drawer storage. Like I, like I have my pots and pans in drawers in my kitchen island inside. Drawers are better. Spice drawers instead of spice cabinets. Like drawers are better. So manufacturers that have incorporated drawing, <laughs> drawing, <laughs> as opposed to these huge cavernous cabinets. And the, the grand design has a lot of that, but I'll say there is two huge cabinets by the door that are like good pantry cabinets. I had to take wire shelves that we've had from other RVs and things I had because I hate buying all the storage stuff like fresh for an an RV. I had to take everything and I had to find some ways to create shelving so that you could actually, because think about it, huge cabinet pantry. I put in a can. What am I going to do? Stack cans on top of each other? You know, like, and then reach behind these big stacks to get something else. It's just not manageable. So you need smaller, actually, more defined spaces for storage. Well, you pointed out maybe one of the little weaknesses there in the grand design, but I want to say this, and we'll wrap up the segment with this. I think anybody in the RV industry who's like working in the RV industry needs to think about why grand design has been so successful in the last five years. If you're another manufacturer and you're not paying attention or thinking through like, why did grand design blow up? And I'm saying this to somebody who does not work with grand design, in any way. Okay. But we bought a grand design. I think that one of the three or four key reasons why grand design exploded as a company and got so big and so popular so fast is because of their thoughtful storage. Uh, that, and it is, 
when I did my episode, we I did an episode on six things I love about my RV, about our RV. I had to talk about our storage. Sean's like, everybody's done storage. You're going to do storage too. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it because I love it. Yeah. I love the storage in our drop-down chassis on the exterior. I love the little cubby by the front door where we keep Maggie's leash and her doggy bags and flashlights. Yep. It's perfectly placed. But that's placed. little. Think about that. In yep. the past, we had that big, you know, like a lot of people do that big cabinet right by the door and you'd put some stuff on the ground and have all that space above it. I love the little cubby in between the massage chairs for the remotes yeah. and for USB <laughs> power cords. It's yeah. a little cubby. It's not yeah. a big deal, but it's a big deal because I love it. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly placed. It makes perfect sense. And guys, everyone listening, if storage stinks in an RV, your crap ends up all over the place and it ends up being miserable inside the RV. I think that's really the secret of why everyone loves storage so much because any experienced RV owner who's been in an RV where there's nowhere to put anything and all the stuff is all over the place, you don't want to be in the RV anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't like it. Stresses me out. Some people may not care, but it stresses me out. But I do. You, I wonder. I'd love to look at their numbers. I wonder if more second plus RV buyers purchase Grand Design. Well, I, th- I think then, initially. like first time. You know what I'm saying? No, oh, like, oh, oh, so I it's like people that, ex- that can recognize the, some of the benefits that they've incorporated oh, into the I design. Think that's happening that with might Alliance be, now too. But yeah, that might be like subtle for first time buyers, right? So then other first time buyers are like, oh, no, yeah, this is important. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got that wine drawer. Like it's a yeah. drawer that's specifically for wine bottles and has like this little plastic storage rack. Which for wine anybody bottles, that's ever, perfect. anybody that's ever opened up that big cavernous pantry in their RV, I literally know people that have opened up a cabinet and had red wine bottles fly out and break. So that happens to people because in transit, things move and then they open a cabinet and it falls out. So we are friends with somebody and I've heard other people say, oh, that happened to me. So we have a friend that had to clean up an enormous red wine spill from their entire RV because, you know, it's hard to transport like a glass bottle of wine in an RV. So the the wine drawer is actually really pragmatic. (laughs) Not hard to transport it in ours. Uh, no, 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 but some people lo- might say that's so specific. Why would you? But you can take it out. You can take out the insert. Don't think you couldn't use the drawer for anything else. True. I just want to put that in. True, there. true. Then there is that huge drawer for pots and pans, but it has those pins, those upright pins that keep things in place. This probably cost them $2 to put those pins in there, but it's thoughtful storage. It's thinking about what people need. And then I love the little cubbies by our beds where we keep uh, uh, the book we're reading, a USB charger, a glass of water at night, in those little cute cubbies by the beds. That those These are the things that sold me on the grand design. So anyway, everybody listening, pay attention to the basics when you buy an RV, because that's what we all end up caring about the most and loving the most. We're going to come back in a second. We're going to make a big, big Jeremy and Stephanie RV Atlas announcement. And um, Stephanie didn't want to just like make it a big announcement. She wanted to also do some, you know, valuable content for you. So we're going to make a big announcement. We're going to talk about budget camping. Before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Camco. Camco is one of our favorite companies in the outdoor recreation industry. For more than 50 years, they have remained a trusted North Carolina-based manufacturer specializing in innovative products for the RV, marine, 
outdoor living and outdoor recreation markets. You may know them best by their American-made Rhino sewer hoses, Taste Pure water filters, EvoFlex drinking water hoses, and TST toilet chemicals, but their lineup of products doesn't end there. Camco continues to deliver products that bridge the gap between you and your next great adventure. From portable grills and campfires to ease lift hitches and power grip electrical adapters, they seem to be doing it all. There's a saying that if you own an RV, you are sure to own a Camco product or two. And it's true. We still use Camco products that we bought 12 years ago when we started RVing. This year, we are stocking up our new RV with go-to Camco products like their collapsible laundry basket and their life is better at the campsite dishes and mugs. Head to CampcoOutdoors.com to check out all of the cool stuff that Camco makes and get 10% off your entire order with our discount code RVATLAS10. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I've got Stephanie here, and we've got a major, major, major announcement. Um, and I, we have to make this announcement now, Stephanie. And do you know why I feel like we have to make this now? This has happened every summer around yes. this time. Yes, because people find it, right? Yeah, people are going to yeah. find it. Yeah. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to post about it and be like, hey. Yeah. Okay. And you like to make the announcement. You don't... <laughs> No, you, you don't like, like to make me. any announcements. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I'm. <laughs> you're not an announcement person. I'm not an announcement you, person. You're I not an announcement person. As a teacher, you were a teacher for many years. Did you not do announcements? Did you just go right I, to class? I the announcements came over the loudspeaker, and I usually did chores <laughs> during the announcements. I could see you rolling your eyes in front of your students during those announcements because you just wanted know. to get to class. So you get to no, work. No, it's just get to you know, like content. it's a, it's a this could have been an email part of my personality. Like I get it, the announcements have to happen, but like, do we really have to make a big thing out of it? But apparently, in this line of business, you do have to make a big thing about it. <laughs> you you got to make announcements all the time. <laughs> it's you not know, in my. Know. It's not in my personality. Look, there's but a lot okay. of other people that make a lot more announcements than we do. Okay, because yeah, it has to be so important a, to get me on board with an announcement. It's this is important. So. Well, you know what it is? I'm not going to look. I think you called me out a little bit. I'm going to tell you, I I feel like people have to like there has to be a reason why people care. I don't I don't want to make an announcement because I'm like feeling good about myself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to make an announcement to be like, look how awesome I am. Oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. I only like announcements if I feel like the people our people are actually going to be excited about it. And it's actually something that's good for them. And this announcement falls into that category. So go ahead without further well, ado. And, but you pointed out something very interesting about both of us. We, as opposed to other people that like create content in the RV space, we know we're not awesome. No. <laughs> we, we, are, we are past that point. We are both uh, well yeah. aware of how normal we are. So normal. How so painfully normal. normal our family is. We oh. are not awesome. But we have an awesome announcement. Yes. We have the next book in the Where Should We Camp Next series uh, coming out, okay? So we have written, we have finished, we have turned it in. Our editor has edited it. They have sent it back to us for more editing. It's gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. The cover artist did the cover. The book at some point will be printed and sold. It is on sale right now on Amazon, and it is called Where Should We Camp Next? Budget Camping. And we have our first Where Should We Camp Next book, which has been a a huge bestseller. Thank you so much to everybody that's bought a copy. We are approaching 100,000 copies sold, which is amazing. It is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who, it's wild. Our second 
uh, book in that series, not our second book, our second book in that series, Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks is out now. You can physically get a copy now. It is a bestseller on Amazon. It's uh, I think it's a great book for those of you who want to plan national park trips. Um, and Where Should We Camp Next? Budget Camping will be out. It's all the way out. It's not out till next April, people. But here's the deal. Right. It's for this sale is how books work. now online. Right. It's how books work. And I want to tell I want to say this to you. If you're a fan of the books, if you're a fan of the RV Atlas, if you know, you like Jeremy and Stephanie, pre-order a copy. It really is a boost for us in the world of publishing. Pre-orders are huge. It's a vote of well, confidence it's a boost. in our it's books. Not, yeah, it's not just like, oh, if it feels nice, it actually helps the algorithms, you know, that run our world, like in terms of Amazon being like, oh, people are interested in this book. This is something that we push out to people. So pre-orders are weirdly important in the wor world of book sales. Yeah. So it's something oh. that you can do if you know you're going to buy the book, you can do us a solid and pre-order it because it it doesn't hurt you in any way. In fact, you'll be eligible for any bonuses that start to roll out, pre-order bonuses and everything. So you know, and you'll always get a the best price match. It doesn't matter what you pre-order it at. If at any time, you know, it's lower than that, you'll get that price. Don't worry. So like there's no downside if you're going to buy it anyway to pre-ordering, but it does actually help us. And just to, I want to emphasize a point Stephanie made. The more pre-orders, the more that the Amazon algorithm goes, oh, people are going mm -hmm. to like this book. And then when it comes out, they show it to, they literally show it to more people, both in emails, both on the website, et cetera. Yeah. So, so pre-orders are huge. Now, why did we decide to do where should we camp next budget camping? I think that we both felt mm -hmm. like we, like this was an important book to do yeah. and we really wanted this book to exist and we really wanted to help people. Um, save money while they camp, you know, like why I, I have a couple of reasons in mind that might be different than yours, but like, why did this seem like the obvious choice for a next book in the where should we camp next series? Yeah. If you've been following our content in this area and trends content, we're not anti um, big money in camping. We're not anti resort. We're not anti right? Like, And in fact, for many years, we've tried to explain to people the value proposition of higher camping fees at certain places. We've tried to say, look, you know, this price is unsustainable for what people want. Or, hey, look, think about what you get for this price when you compare it to a hotel room, right? So let's like walk through this. We haven't, you know, dissed prices across the board rising. We've tried to talk about it and tried to make sense of it. Dynamic pricing, we've said, look, if you, why shouldn't you pay more if you want to camp on 4th of July weekend? Everybody else in the travel industry pays more if they want to fly on a holiday, whatever. We've been like, this is business. So we have tried to have those reasonable conversations with people. But at the same time, if you've been listening for the past year, I think you've heard us say also, we believe that it's moved past market forces. That you know, there's an overcorrection, uh, you know, that, or a correction that needs to happen, that they've gone overboard in terms of trying to market to newbies because of the pandemic campers. It's people that don't know, hey, this is too much for me to pay for this experience. <laughs> so we actually think that things are a little out of whack. And what that's doing is making people feel like camping isn't affordable anymore. And we're, we really believe it's important for camping to be affordable. Um, it's an important experience that people have across economic, you know, demographics. 
Um, camping was extremely important to our family as two teachers, very, you know, fixed incomes with time that we wanted to spend with our kids. Camping allowed us to do things that we would not have been able to do otherwise. So I think the affordability aspect of things um, is incredibly meaningful to us. And to have a book that really focused on the fact that you can have affordable camping experiences felt like the right thing to do in this market. I don't know. Is that, uh, yeah, what do you I, have I, to spot add? on? Well, I'm going to add a little bit, but really you're spot on. We, we both feel that a lot of camping's gotten too expensive and uh, that'll, we think that'll correct over time. But um, we think it's important for the vitality of the RV industry and the camping industry that, that, that this is a for, an affordable way to travel because you're responsible for your RV. You got to fix your RV when it breaks. You got to tow your accommodation there, right? So it has to be less expensive than hotels or the whole thing doesn't make sense. Um, and when we started, before we had an RV, we'd go on a vacation a year, like everybody did, you know, or like most people did. When we got an RV, we realized, man, this is so affordable. We can go on several vacations a year and do a bunch of weekends. And that was awesome for us on those teachers' incomes at that time to be like, man, we can go away, you know, once a month on a weekend trip and then do a couple vacations in the summer because we were paying $30 to $60, $20 to $60 a night at that time. So the thing I want to add though is this the first Where Should We Camp Next book, though we're, you know, we're approaching 100,000 copies sold, it's been a bestseller, largely awesome positive reviews. One of the themes of some of the slightly negative reviews is that that book, people will say, oh, there's too many private campgrounds in here, too many KOAs, too many Jellystones, too mm -hmm. many resorts, too many whatever. And, you know, there's some truth to that because that's what we were doing. Uh, you know, the book is written by people <laughs> and it was based on our experience. So we, the book did tilt towards private campgrounds quite a lot, actually. Because but that's we also what we were believe, doing. let's just say like it was just what we were doing. We also believe that for a lot of first time new people that aren't raised in the camping world, those are really easy ways to learn how to use your RV and to be at a comfortable campground with your kids. Yeah. And so exactly. And I still think that I mm -hmm. still think new RV yeah. owners should go get, get, get thee to a KOA. It's a good, it's a good place to go when you're a new RV owner, you know, get to a Jellystone, get to a good sand park where there's an owner on site, whatever. I still believe that. But really there's a gap in the book where the book did not cover as many, it did cover state parks, but didn't cover state parks fully. It didn't cover national forest campgrounds fully. It did not cover army Corps of engineers campgrounds fully. And in the years since then, we've been doing a lot more of that. So we can cover it now in this really robust way. Now, this book, Where Should We Camp Next? Budget Camping, is a lot of public campgrounds because they're cheaper and they're budget friendly. But we also really did try to highlight mom and pop campgrounds, family-owned campgrounds that have kept their prices low. We have so we certainly tried to include those too. Okay. So that's why we decided to write this book. Let's just quickly give you five tips to save some money camping. And this comes from uh, the introduction to the book. So you can get a sense of like the framework and some of the tips. And then, of course, like anywhere should we camp next book, we go state by state, all 50 states, and give you six to 10 recommendations per state for great budget campgrounds. And there's all kinds of sidebars with all kinds of other information. Um, and Stephanie, this is really your core content here. And you know, this is something you, you, you wrote and you've, you've thought about a lot over the years. 
just these major categories of of how to save money when you're camping. And for a new RV owner out there, um, if you want to save money, here's some of the major ways you can do it, right? Yeah. So I think that when people think about um, a camping trip doesn't have to be more affordable than any other kind of trip, right? That's important to note. You can spend as much money on a quote unquote camping trip, like an RV trip, um, as you might if you stayed in other kinds of accommodations. It's really easy to spend a lot of money on an RV trip if you're not watching your budget. So it isn't necessarily by default cheaper. Okay. People need to understand that. So if you want it to be cheaper, you have to look at where you can control your costs. And that's where I think it's so great about camping is that you can control more costs than you can if you're looking at hotels, if you're looking at other types of travel, flying and stuff. You can make a decision about different categories within your trip planning that can help you budget. So for example, for campgrounds, you know, you can only go so low with your hotel accommodations or your Airbnb or your rental accommodations, right? With camping, you really can go as low as zero, okay? And you can find those, you can, you can go to zero, right? And find those public lands if you're in the right parts of the country, find places that are really affordable, $5, $10, you can. So you can also go up to a very comfortable $70 and be at a private campground on the East Coast. It's maybe more like a mom and pop, simple, not all the bells and whistles, but, um, you know, that's cheaper, like a $70 hotel or motel room yikes right like what are you getting for that where a twenty dollar a night campground could be one of the most beautiful places in america exactly so so campgrounds you can just control your costs now the second thing is traveling distance you can control how far you travel and that's going to significantly impact the money you spend on a trip so when you're doing those long cross-country rv trips or camping trips when you're like when you're hauling an rv when you're driving a motorhome gas is a factor, right? That's going to, and more stops, right? To get where you are, you're going to have to pay for those overnights and everything. So, you know, how far you travel, you can reduce those. If you're on a, you know, really tight budget, you can travel two hours and still have a great camping trip. Um, So look at your traveling distance. And the book is going to really inspire you to save money in both those categories because the book is packed with affordable campgrounds state by state. And then uh, you know, obviously the book has, will have campgrounds no matter where you live that are local to you because we have yeah. campgrounds in all 50 states and we tried to spread them geographically. I mean, some states have, you know, better corners or regions for camping. Yeah. Um, so the book is going to help you save money, both of those categories, camping close to home and finding cheap campgrounds. So what are a couple more major ways to save money? This is a pet peeve of mine. Think about your equipment. And what do I mean by equipment? Of course, RVs. And then there's other things. So here's what people do is you want an affordable way to travel and then you go and before you even realize it, you've blown your travel budget on an expensive RV. So it is so tempting, right? They do this. They say, oh, it only costs you this much a month, blah, 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 blah. And they get you into this RV that's ridiculously expensive, more than you need. You're not going to, you know, you, you're you not going to, it's sitting in your driveway a lot. And all of a sudden that, you know, it seemed like it was no big deal to pay that $400 a month or $500 a month, more than that, if you're in the motor home range, right? For some people. But then you're like, but that could have been your camping money, Right. So I just feel like some people then go, 
they do. They start to stress about it. They're like, I'm paying this every month. We don't use it enough. And then they feel like they have to get rid of the RV and the camping experience as opposed to if you keep that cost low at the beginning, you feel like you get more bang for your buck. You feel like you can do more. You have more money to travel with. And also, you don't feel like you have to use it all the time. It's okay that you couldn't get out camping this month because you're not paying that much. It's worth it. It's valuable for other reasons for your family. So I think that's the number one mistake. I wouldn't say number one. I think it's a huge mistake that people make. It's a make. huge mistake. Yeah. yeah. And then it hurts more if you go to sell it and you're underwater. Yeah. You know, obviously, if you are if you buy a $20,000 travel trailer or a $30,000 travel trailer and you sell it quickly, you're all, you know, you could be underwater. But if you buy a $100,000 motorhome and you turn around and sell it, you can be really, really underwater. So I think that we're both big believers in keeping the price of the RV reasonable. And, you know, to be frank and honest with our audience, it's one of the reasons we've stayed away from motorhomes. I'm not saying I'll never buy a motorhome. Um, but certainly it's that thinking that has kept us in towables for sure. So I agree. I think we're both on the same page with that. Don't overdo it. Don't overspend. Don't don't blow the budget. Um, so what's number four in terms of really controlling costs and keeping those RV trips budget friendly? Yeah, food is a huge expense that you can control. So when the boys were little, but now I feel like more like sometimes this is the thing, too, is sometimes you want your RV vacations to feel like a vacation. Right. It's like when we went to, you know, Myrtle Beach. It's like I'm on vacation. I'm the mom. I don't want to cook. I don't want to, you know, I want to go out to eat and have a meal and have somebody clean up my dirty dishes afterwards. That's okay. But you have to realize that that is a way that you can control your cost with an RV vacation. When the boys were little, we used to spend the same amount on food while we were traveling as we did at home. We spent no more. Because we would grocery shop like we did at home and we would basically eat breakfast or lunch or we'd go out to lunch a lot of the times instead of dinner. And it would be like, you know, at home, you'd get pizza on a Friday night, whatever. So food is huge. If you, you know, stay at a hotel, if you stay at you have to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner out pretty much like it is. That is something when we're traveling as a family without our RV, our food costs for five people are so high when you can't do grocery shopping, when you can't prep at least a couple meals a day, make sandwiches and everything. So this is a big benefit to RV travel. Oh, even like on our recent trip to Utah and Colorado, I mean, it's not crazy for a family of five to spend $200 on food in a single day. Oh, we have more than with the way that our older boys eat too. They eat like adults. So it was really like we would just not do breakfast. You know, like breakfast is like granola bars or whatever, like super like grab whatever we have or or at some of the places we stayed at, there was breakfast provided. It's like you eat now because we're not buying breakfast because it was part of the package. The key point you make though is control. Like you're not now at a point in your career and in being a mom where, you know, when we go on that Myrtle beach spring break trip, like you really want to go out to all the cool restaurants and, 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 and you, that's what you want to do. You don't want to be, you know, cooking, 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 but you know, if the budget was tighter or, or that's what enabled us to take the trip to begin with, we could cook because we have the RV. Um, and in the book, there are definitely some budget cooking hacks and some recommendations for great road food near the campgrounds that's that's very affordable. So the last major area where you can control your costs is activities. And I would say, Stephanie, as a mom, as a writer, as a content creator, you have been amazing over the years at finding free and low cost activities. 
And well, I another think that thing is, it's just, you know, look, you have a family of five. Nothing, if it, like nothing is affordable. <laughs> it like goes from being like, sure, let's, you know, if there's a couple, sure, we can go do that thing that has a price tag or a ticket price. You, you introduce five people. And then as the kids get older and they're not paying kid prices anymore, like things are just like when you think about whether you want to go do something like, say, tubing or rafting or ziplining or, you know, like any of those kinds of things or jeeping that you pay a ticket price for the price like the total price, you're like, hey, some things were amazing. Like when we did the Chuck Wagon dinner out in uh, Bluebell, out of Bluebell Campground, out in um, South Dakota, our boys still talk about. It. They remembered that. That was an amazing experience. But we're talking hundreds of dollars for a family of five to go do that. So you know, if you want to have amazing experiences without spending three hundred dollars on a Chuck, you can. That's the thing. When you're camping, you're around places. Oftentimes there's fishing, there's hiking, there's bike trails, there's canoeing and kayaking and paddle boarding and right, like just understanding the whole category of things that you can look for and explore when you're in a place that are going to be free. Swimming holes were like, that was the first thing that we would look at when we were still are. When they're, the boys are like swimming holes, right? waterfalls like whatever it was and it was free and that was our activity for the day and that made camping affordable and in where should we camp next budget camping the subtitle which i don't have memorized the subtitle of my own book but it's something like free and low cost activities (laughs) in all 50 states so there's a sidebar in every state of free and low cost activities we looked for free museums we looked for you know hikes and things in the natural world obviously And those sidebars and those free and low cost activities are near the campgrounds or at least near some of the campgrounds recommended. So that's a major part of this book, too. Um, People really love the sidebars in this book. Okay, so there's the big announcement. Um, Where should we camp next? Budget camping will be out next April. We're asking all of you to pre-order it now because that would really give us a big vote of confidence for this book and help us make this book a great success. And we're going to come back in a second to wrap up the show with a really quick A second announcement, which I don't mean to make a minor announcement because it's kind of a big deal too, but it's not as big of an announcement as a brand new book. So we'll be back in a second with one more announcement for you. But before we do that, we have a sponsored message from our friends at RV SnapPad. Meet the world's only permanent jack pad. RV snap pads attach permanently to your RV leveling jack so you don't have to carry around blocks of wood or plastic blocks to level your towable or motorized RV. Simply snap them on one at a time and you're all set. RV snap pads go on in seconds and provide a lifetime of stability on the road. They are built for wanderers, adventurers, and vacationers just like you. SnapPad also now makes non-permanent leveling accessories for plastic levelers and buckets. They make everything you need to have the best leveling experience possible in your RV. We added RV snap pads to our travel trailer two years ago and love their durability, design, and functionality. They also make setting up and breaking down camp faster and easier. Finally, SnapPad recently collaborated with Camco Manufacturing to release the most durable, rugged, and stable scissor jack stabilizer available today. Head over to rvsnappad.com and use their Submit Your Rig tool to answer a few quick questions, and they will find you the perfect set of snap pads for your towable or motorized RV. Join the RV SnapPad revolution today. To find out more, visit rvsnappad.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We got one more announcement before we wrap up this podcast, and it's related to books. And I don't want to confuse everybody. 
But um, we have Where Should We Camp Next, the first book. Where Should We Camp Next, National Parks. And we just announced that we're putting out Where Should We Camp Next, Budget Camping. But there's going to be a fourth Where Should We Camp Next book. And it's called Where Should We Camp Next, Camping 101. And this is going to be a hard one for me to like figure out how to talk about. Uh, this is a little bit unusual. Um, Where Should We Camp Next, Camping 101 comes out in like two weeks. But Stephanie, why is this a little different in the it's world a, of publishing? It's just a rebrand. So our very first book with Sourcebooks was See You at the Campground. And um, this was a very unique book. It, it positioned in the marketplace. In fact, it was so unique that it was in what we considered the wrong section in a lot of bookstores. So it wasn't even in section. it would be in like the sports section, not the, the the travel section, right? Which is really where people would go to look for camping books. And so, like, it was very hard it, to to position it from a product perspective. This is just like so then. We've gone on to do these other books that um, with, with the Where Should We Camp Next books and Sourcebooks is such a phenomenal publisher. And they're like, this, we need to turn this into part of this collection of books. We want it to all make sense together. We want this book that really like Where Should We Camp Next was like walking people through the process of becoming campers and RVers. And it was like how, how to choose a campground how to choose an RV if you're going to RV. RV versus cabin versus RV rental is one of the chapters. Like there's all this really like, how do you do this? How do you become a, kids? Um, how to travel with kids, right? Packing lists, like really how-to-y kind of stuff. And yet it was covered under this book that was a little more like story, like where should we camp next? Like a guide. And so they're like, we want to position this along with all these other books as part of this where should we camp next universe. So that's what it is. It's taking the book it, and basically saying it's a rebranding. It's a repackaging so that it makes sense in this universe. Even though we wrote it first and we didn't know the where should we camp next books would exist. Now that they exist, they're like, this needs to be part of that universe. So they could so be in a sense. box set one day. Or, yeah. So they're easier to find for people. So to be crystal clear. It's the this same book, CU, pretty much. It, this yeah. is See You at the Campground with a new cover. Yeah. Now, if you own See You at the Campground, I would love it if you bought a copy. But, <laughs> I also just want to be crystal clear. But we clear. don't want them to buy you, it. Yes. If they don't well, want the, do. the new cover, because it's not fair, because we don't want them to buy something and then get it and, and be like, be a, I have this angry. already. Yeah, we don't like, want anybody to do that. Yes. So to be crystal, and, and the large point here is to find new audience for the book. Um, so I'm excited to have it have a new life. And you know, the other part of the story here is that we released See You at the Campground right smack at the beginning of the pandemic when guess what? Amazon stopped shipping and selling books yeah. for weeks, if not months, because they were prioritizing products that were more like emergency necessary <laughs> to products. So we yeah. released a book into a world where Amazon wasn't shipping books. So the book got off to a rough start in that way. And just a little inside baseball here for our podcast listeners, like most books are sold on Amazon. Like if you haven't caught up on that fact, uh, most books are sold up on, uh, sold on Amazon. Whether you like so, it or not. <laughs> whether you like it or not. You know, I, I wish it was all in independent bookstores, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I'm, ha I'm really happy that this book is being given a new life. Because to be frank, otherwise it might go away. <laughs> you know, it might uh, it might be out of print at some point, 
And now it's been given a whole new life, a whole new printing. Um, so where should we camp next? Camping 101 comes out September 9th. And last announcement, this is an extra announcement that I'm going to let Stephanie go. Um, I will definitely be at the Hershey RV show every single day of the Hershey RV show. I will be in the giant center. We have a, a table. Our publisher got us a table and I will be there selling and signing all of our books and meeting and greeting and saying hello. And uh, if you have the book already, you can bring it and I'll sign it. If you need copies, I'll be selling the copies. I'll be very happy to sign books that you've already bought. Um, Or if you need them, we'll be selling them. Um, We got the, our publisher got us the very last table for sale that Hershey had the very last table. So I think we are kind of buried in the corner. If you walk (laughs) into the giant, we're by the hot dog and hamburger stand, I think. So if you walk in, and turn right, I believe we will just keep going towards that big food stand, and you can grab a burger, dog, drink, and a copy of Where Should We Camp Next, and I'll sign it. And you better come say hello, because I don't want to be lonely over there by the hamburger stand. Um, So I will definitely be there. Uh, Whether Stephanie is able to get there, I don't know. We live in a world of divide and conquer with our kids and our careers. Uh, I would certainly like her to show up at some point, but I am not promising that, but I am promising that I will be there signing books. And it's it's sports season, guys. If the kids have games, somebody's got to cart them around. It's crazy. The kids can't come. Wes is like, dad, I'll come. I'll help you. I'm like, it's like your second week of school, dude. Um, But but here's what what will happen. And I I hope Stephanie doesn't get mad at me. I will have her sign all of these books before I bring them. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'll sign. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you will sign all of them yeah. and then I'll sign them there and we'll have all of the Where Should We Camp Next books for sale, including the brand new Where Should We Camp Next Camping 101. We will not have budget camping there. It is not out yet. It will not be out till April. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Thank you for every download of this podcast. Thank you for purchasing our books. We sure do appreciate it and hope to see you at the Hershey RV show and always hope to see you at the campground. See you at the campground. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And we will see you at the campground. See you at the campground.